What's going on, everybody? Matt Weber back here with uh, Level Up Small Business Conversations. Got a special treat for everybody today. Um, local businessman. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, and a good buddy of mine. Uh, we sit down, have coffee every once in a while, um, and talk shop, man. We love we love talking business. Tucker Velcamp. What's up? How we doing? How we doing, man? I'm happy to be here. I love the podcast so far. You're putting out great content, man. That's a uh, it's God's work, really. You're out here inspired. <laughs> well, all like right, it. man. I like it. Awesome. I, I think awesome. that's like the most important thing about this whole process is, uh, you know, the people that are listening and as it grows, uh, inspiration is huge. You can make a big change that way. Absolutely, and that's uh, that's. What I wanted to start with, you know, mm-hmm. just start, uh, just get stuff out there. You know, I'm, I'm learning as I go. And so, totally. um, we all are. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know everything, but I, um, uh, I just, I like, I like educating people. I mean, I, I went to school to be a teacher, so mm. I like passing on what it and is that I know. I think as you're educating people too, you're actually educating yourself because when you're vocalizing a lot of things, you know, strategy and, and you're really like talking through things, really all it is is recording uh, meetings taking place, you know, and people can learn from those conversations, but you learn a lot from them as well, you know? Absolutely. So my staff that, uh, the first two that Jonathan was on, a couple of my staff made the comments of, Man, it sounds like what you guys, how you guys sound at meetings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah. just, it's fun. It's uh, it's just fun back and forth. So, um, let's just jump into this thing, man. Um, so Tucker, uh, owns an, an, it owns an incredible sandwich shop. Iconic. Iconic. <laughs> and, um, uh, for those of you that aren't in the Billings area, the Billings market, uh, you will, Someday soon. Definitely. Definitely. No. Yes. Uh, I did see the other day that I had somebody listen to me from Denmark. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that wow. was pretty cool. Through Anchor or? Um, Anchor or Because uh, Anchor Podcast. puts it to everything. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Dang. You're right? That's so, cool. Uh, so uh, Denmark coming, coming to you at some point. That's the one interesting thing that I've uh, noticed when I do stuff like this uh, is like we're a local business and we care to blow up other places. But a, a lot of times, even with like the TikToks of the world and uh, LinkedIn, not so much. I, I like LinkedIn. I just got on there like two days ago, but TikTok is such a global thing that I'm trying to figure out how, what the next platform is to market my business. Cause we were very successful with video in 2017. We basically took over a franchise uh, location and we literally three times the sales in two years, you know, and then, and then now within four years, we have a second location. Um, but I did that on the back of Facebook ads, Google ads, Yelp ads, that kind of thing. And I feel like the landscape and marketing is shifting. It's so always, hard. it's always changing, always changing. Yeah. Before we get into that, dude, tell like, tell us what you do. Tell yeah. us who you are. So I'm Tucker Velcam from top sandwich company, you know, and, uh, yeah, so I grew up, very entrepreneurial household. Uh, the word job was a curse word, literally. Like we weren't allowed to say it. And it was, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a shameful thing. You never want to work for somebody else, which is crazy, but that's just how it was for me. You know, I'm not talking against right. having a job, but that's how I grew up. So what did I do? I went and got my real estate license out of high school and I worked that for a little bit. I hated it. I couldn't work with my dad. It was way too <laughs> difficult. Today we work on a I little bit. I see your bit. dad's name all over the place, by the way. Yeah, and I still have my license, so I still have 
been doing a few deals here and there, but it's not like a primary thing for me, which is nice. Uh, but after I, I left Billings, I went to College of Colorado State. I have a uh, business and communications degree. But while I was going to school, I went and got a job and uh, worked my way up to becoming a bartender. I was making like 1500 bucks cash a week, like pretty good money for me. And I was working like five, six nights a week to do it while I was going to school. By the time I graduated four years later, um, I had a good sum of money in this place called the Spicy Pickle and Billings went up for sale. My dad had it listed. They had like 250000 into the build out. The equipment package now I know because I just bought one last year, you know, it cost like seventy five grand, And I got it all for forty. Um, so, so it was a great buy. 40? 40 grand. Wow. Yeah. And I thought I was going to kill it, you know. I go into business, um, have everything purchased, and I decided to move forward with the franchise because I didn't know anything about food at the time. Do it for a year and a half, dude, and we were losing our ass, like literally losing <laughs> everything. Like my operating account was at two grand. It was like negative two, positive two, negative two, positive two. Finally, 10 months later, I just came up with a business plan. You know, this is not working. This is not working. And my, I mean, I was trying to tell these guys what wasn't working and, and why it wasn't working. They didn't want to listen to me. So I created my own business plan and I was like deep in debt with the landlord had to sit down Mike Stock and Randy Point, negotiate basically a new five-year lease, and I needed three months free rent. This is uh, October 2015 that we sat down. So I need until March 1 is when I paid my first month's rent, and I literally had two grand in the bank. I was completely broke, bills to pay. It, it, it was nasty. Uh, and I was able to get out of the franchise agreement because I was on pretty good terms with these guys. I was reasonable. I just told them I went bankrupt in your system. And, All right. and they didn't think I was going to reopen uh, in that spot. I couldn't tell them though. And it was really my best option. I could have cut ties and go into a different industry or I could, what I felt, take a valuable failure and turn it into a successful brand. And, and literally my mom told me I was crazy. My, my girlfriend at the time left me. She said I was an idiot, you know, like my inner circle thinks I'm wasting money and, and dumb, like all this stuff, man. Right. It was crazy. And that, and that's, uh, th- and that's something that you find when you're doing something crazy, when you're doing something that people don't understand, it's you're the crazy one. Yeah. You're why, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you pouring so much money? Why are you pouring yeah. so much heart and soul? It's because I don't want to work for somebody else. Yeah. And self-belief, man, is the thing that kind of pulls you through. And I think like some of those uh, doubters out there, they kind of changed my world, man, to be honest with you. Like having a girl leave me, you know, over four years that I thought I was going to marry at one point um, because I was a loser, you know, going bankrupt. That was a interesting process. And, and that really gave me the self-belief to keep moving forward. I would uh, go on these Facebook ads and, and, and everything like that, just knowing that the haters are going to see me every day on their phone, whether they open up Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, like I will be there. Right. Uh, so fast track into, we reopened November 2015, and we opened to like deaf ears, man. The space was just terrible. Uh, it, it had a really bad reputation, so I I really had to dump some money into that there just to rebrand the place. And, uh, you know, 2016, I, I came back from Clearwater. I took a vacation I should not have taken. <laughs> <laughs> and in March 2017, I think around, it was a little bit before I met you, but 
January 2017, I came back from vacation. I was back in the negative in my business checking account again. And then two months later, so after about a year and a couple months in business, March, we just blew up and we doubled in March. And and I thought I was rich, like instantly, like my account (laughs) jumped way up and and things were good. And and I just leveraged that positive energy into the rest of 2017. And we doubled up the numbers in 2017, doubled up in 2018. And every year as we're doubling up, I'm taking the cash, I'm buying a trailer, taking the cash in 2018, throwing it into equipment package for a second location 2019. And that's kind of where we're at right now. We just opened the second store with a drive-thru. We're the only sandwich shop in the nation that serves queso with sandwiches. So, Dude, yeah. by the way, that queso uh, is amazing. I know, man. It's fire. No one serves white cheddar queso with no. sandwiches. It's oh, like, man. And it is so damn good. It is, man. It's consistent. It's uh, it's definitely uh, something that makes us unique in, in a very crowded industry, which I'm well aware of. It's crowded. It is, yeah. And uh, we just had another franchise chain move in. Two of them, man. In the last three months, it's been like uh, we're going into battle this year. Like straight up battle, yeah. man. There is... Uh, no love lost for competitors. Like I, I got no love. Right. I, I would not sit on on another side of the table with them. I'm. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not friendly with my competitors. Right. You know. They. They might be good people, but in this life, they're against me. Right. Right. <laughs> right. If they ain't helping me out. Yeah, yeah, man. So, we want to be the franchise slayer here in Billings, honestly, and we position ourselves as kind of the local underdog. Sandwich shop, right? You know? So we're riding that. We're riding it all the way. Why this not, year. man? Yeah, 100%. and that and that all comes into, you know, what it is that you're doing. And I see you all over Facebook. You're using Facebook. Uh, what other platforms are you using? And how yep. how are you throwing your brand mm-hmm. uh, out there? So my branding strategy this whole time has just been document and storytell. I believe storytelling is the number one best way to brand. You can't be fake though if you're a fake person. And you're trying to storytell of your brand. It's not going to work. Yep. It doesn't resonate. I've had times where I'm faking something and it, it just doesn't hit at all. So you got to be really uh, natural. And then I think you, unfortunately, it's just true. You got to be on every platform today. So it's getting messy and it's getting exhausting. And there's a lot to do. Like you got to be posting regularly on LinkedIn. There's organic reach there right now, which is not the thing with Facebook. No. We spent. You got to pay. We spent four or five years building up a following. We got 5,000 followers on Facebook. And it's like, you got to put out either some really good content to get seen or you have to pay to play, basically. Yeah. So yeah. what's next is what I'm figuring out. I posted my first TikTok video. I saw you guys are on TikTok, actually. And that yep. totally inspired me, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys actually got like some views on there. Yeah, some man. Some sweet videos. Yeah, so... Uh, and that's all part of our process. And what we're wanting to do is um, we're, we're finding, and I don't know if it's true, but it's a train we're riding right now, mm-hmm. uh, is people don't necessarily care about the quality of the content you're throwing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not throwing content out there. It's thoughtful content. It's pretty good content. Your TikTok stuff is... a. It, it looks good. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be uh, super refined. And the edited stuff doesn't work that well on Facebook, I've noticed, and uh, on a lot of stuff where right. you're producing a bunch and it's like really polished. That's right. not the move anymore. Right. Like 
uh, I sat down with JoJo, this Golden Gloves 11-year-old boxer. She's followed by The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. What? Yeah, she's like kind of a big deal now. And, and they are recording Under Armour with a cell phone. Really? With a cell phone. Wow. Like... <laughs> Like big companies doing cell phone ads. Why? Because that's just what's resonating with the people right now is mm-hmm. uh, organic stuff. It, they don't want to see like over polished like TV ads anymore. They right. they want natural. Yep, natural. And so, and that I guess that's what I meant by uh, the quality of the stuff you're throwing out there because it it doesn't. They're they're wanting to eat up fun. They're wanting mm-hmm. to eat up connectedness their relatability to, yeah relatability mm-hmm. and so yeah that's kind of a train that we're riding right now and the ever-changing landscape of what mm. social media is um it's getting know. older it's getting mm-hmm. more uh saturated as well so it's tougher to stand out right but uh relatability is a big part of branding and making your brand relatable to the masses and relating to different age groups is important as well being relatable is living in the world uh, that, you know, your audience is living in, in, in the different demographics of people. And TikTok is going to be a large buying demographic, maybe not right this second. And some of it is like, there's people on there 30 years old. Right. And, and the people that are 12 and 15 years old will get older and become buyers. And how long are we doing this for? You know, are right. we doing this for five years? Or are we doing this for 20 years or 30 years? And, and then they become very, very, very valuable. Right. And so what for you, when you think about your branding, um, and I like your sit down lunches that you're doing, uh, I think those are pretty cool. That's um, not even like it, it wasn't even a. Uh, it's not choreographed at all. It's literally just people come through my shop that are interesting and and they want to be out there, you know? So it's like kind of using a platform to network, but also to get stories told. I don't know. It's just natural. And I, I like doing stuff like this. I yeah. enjoy it. So yeah. it's, it feels right. Well, that's your promoter. Uh, that's your promoter yeah, self, man. It's just gone, getting out there. And- it's gone surprisingly well, too. It's like everyone is over a thousand. We're not putting any money into it. So I'm surprised actually by it. So yeah. I'm gonna keep doing it for yeah. sure. I don't see. I don't see why not. Yeah. Uh, and it started when you were promoting the fights, right? And that yeah. kind of when it started. Yeah, and this was not something that I had planned on doing, but yeah, it just seemed like the right time for that. I was going to be refing in these uh, these MMA fights, and Fusion Fight League's like really budding and getting big and right. large and, and doing a good job. And I was going to be in the center of the ring, you know, refing one of these fights. So I thought it was really important for my audience to know what was happening. Uh, just kind of, I like to position myself in an important role, and and that may sound like selfish, but. I think it's important, you know, to uh, kind of position yourself in the community as a leader. And that was an important thing for me to get out there, you know, that right. I had the opportunity to do that. Right. Absolutely. And w- when you when you take and you put yourself um, in that sort of limelight and you step into it, because I see you taking it. It's not mm. a it's not a passive. No, it's definitely not a passive type uh, uh, type move mm-hmm. because. Passive companies, they don't grow. No. You know, they stay the same. Uh, A they lot of exist, them go they out. They subsist, and then they go out with yeah. the change. Yeah. You know, and so it's fun to see, and it's fun to talk shop with you because uh, you, you have the same plan. Tell me your plans. 
or can you? Yeah, no, I definitely can. So this year, 2020 is kind of an awkward year for me because every year I've been throwing money back in and growing. This year in 2020, we're just kind of prospecting for 2021 where okay. we're going to open a third store. Um, so navigating the real estate relationships is so much harder than people understand because it has to be not just the right location, but it has to be a deal that works for me and them. Right. Profitable on both sides, the right right amount of investment. So we're typically looking for build-to-suit situations. It works amazing for me because I'm willing to sign a 10-year lease but I don't have to come out of pocket in someone else's building and put 120 grand into it. Right. You know, and and I just, I'm not in a position where I want to do that or really can, but I can do a $75,000 equipment package mm-hmm. by 2021. That's palatable, you know? Right now. So that's the plan is get into a third. And then once we have a third, we'll either look for a fourth location the following year or um, possibly branch outside of Billings right away. That's going to happen in time for sure. It's just about the right way to do it, whether it's through franchising or whether it's through corporate growth and like having a heavy duty profit sharing operator on site living in those locations. Like we could profit share up to 50%. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. I, why not have them on a $50,000 salary and profit share 50, 50% and then I don't have to be there. And also there's, the franchise relationship's bad news. I, I don't like it because someone puts up, let's say, 200000 to go into a franchise situation. If they don't make money that first year, you're going to be tied up in litigation as a franchisor. And I don't want any of that. Right. I don't I don't want to spend my time on lawyers and, and arguing things that don't make sense. Right. Because you're... Into- your uh, your passion is business. Your yeah. passion is growth. And yeah, I don't want to sit here and, and cry over things that aren't working right now. I'd rather go into something. We can afford to break even that first year in a new location, uh, and know that the five five year outlook is great, and and we're good with that. You know, first year being a grind, building traffic, and then five year looks great. But as a franchisee, you can't do that because you're probably leaving a job and that's your sole source of income. That's why I don't think franchising makes a ton of, ton of sense. And there's a lot of uh, franchise companies right now that are struggling. Franchisees don't do that well. Big numbers, not that well. Well, and what you'll get from the franchisors is, well, you just didn't follow the systems. Yeah. And they're taking 7%, you know, off the top. Seven to ten percent. It just doesn't make. It's not a relationship that makes sense. And, right. And maybe my stance will shift on that. But if I hand someone a franchise, it's going to make money that first year, or I won't do it. Right. You know. All right. So let's get back. You said something about uh, your forecast and what it is. Take uh, take me through the steps when you were planning out uh, when you were planning out your second location. A lot of fear and anxiety, my man. And that's actually like a big portion of uh, why I kind of removed myself from the networking groups. And also, uh, I kind of ghosted a lot of public stuff for a little while because, you know, when I was joining the networking groups and starting a podcast and really, really out there in 2017, halfway through 2018, we had just won a huge battle. You know, I was on the top of the world at that point. But then when you have to take a large sum of money that you just earned and put it back in and there's so many uncertainties, it's difficult to uh, be out there, speak confidently, uh, even though I know what was going to happen. But there's just a lot of dark realities to putting that kind of money on the line and having uncertainties around it. You know, there was things to the last minute 
I wasn't sure if we we're gonna get, if it was gonna work or not, you right. know, uh, just because you bid out everything out and then it always comes in thirty percent more. In sales, I have to keep going good to be right. able to come up with the cash for that because we did it mainly uh, self financed, really? other than a couple lines of credit. Yeah, so that it was a grind, man. But now I'm kind of through that process. What else do you want to know about that building up process? So. When when you did that, what what was your process like? The market research, mm-hmm. the um, how saturated the market is with in Billings, mm-hmm. the sandwich shops that are here. How did you how did you go through that process of this is going to work? And then oh crap, this isn't going to work. And so, then oh, it's going to work because I'm going to make it work. So really, like when you're navigating locations, you cannot get emotionally involved in any locations. It's crucial. You have to have uh, multiple options that you're looking at, and uh, you have to work all of them at the same time. And, uh, you know, typically if you do that over a course of time, the pieces fall in the right place for a certain spot. And as far as like uh, where to go exactly, I think for us, there has to be enough distance between spots, but... It doesn't matter that much. The sandwich market's like the coffee market where it's a very convenient trip. Right. It, yeah, it, it's not really a destination. It's it's a quick lunch people can eat three days a week uh, for the two-mile radius ar- around you. Okay. okay. Uh, we would have preferred to be in the Heights because our catering and delivery business would have touched a brand new market. Uh, at our current location, we're sharing that market now with store number one. Um but this opportunity opened first. It was a brand new building. It just made a lot of sense. You got a good looking door in there too, by the way. Yeah, you you <laughs> guys put the door in. I love it. It's amazing. I'm wondering if I need to get the wind curtain though. That's yeah, crucial this it is. year. It is. What about like uh, rodents and stuff coming in? Uh, we can we can talk about that. We can fix that. Because that's the other thing that I'm a little worried about. Like, it's almost best just to keep it closed. But right. I don't want that because right. it's a beautiful garage door, open air space. I mean, it's sweet. Yeah. No, we we can discuss that. We can discuss some options. The bugs for were a problem in September, too. They man. are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, we can. Uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss some options. Cool. But uh, awesome, man. So um, with going back to branding marketing. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at wanting to do in the future? You know, long-term future is just positioning ourselves in a unique unique space like nationwide. There's no other companies right now that are sandwich shops that are in a drive-through lane and that's just simply what we do that's different than other people. There's other pe- brands out there that are like you know, the huge brands that are converting some spots to drive-through, right. but they're, they're all overextended. They can't redo all of their spaces. We're in a unique position where we can do every other store with the drive-through and, and grow across the region and literally be known as a drive-through sandwich shop. Yeah. So that's a piece of branding that doesn't have to do with promoting, but you have to do things differently when you're in such a saturated market. What is your end goal? What do you, if you want to talk about it, you. So I have, I mean, it's tough to really articulate because I'm going through some things right now that are making me uh, consider some, some different paths forward for my future. Uh, obviously the top brand is going to grow. Right. But I, as I'm doing this, I'm seeing different uh, small subsections of the industry here in Billings that like I could crush it in, you know? So if, if we get to the third store, I'll keep 
when we get to the third store. I'll keep working uh, out, of, out of town options, of course, and finding operators and opening right. out there. But as I do that, I'm, I'm really exploring a Topps Wings. Oh, please do. Yeah. So I'm actually, I've been thinking about that like very seriously and uh, nonstop. And I think we would crush it. I'd crush it and then I could own, you know, four sandwich shops and two wing shops in town. And, and still, now I have two brands and that's what I like doing is brand building. Okay. I'm not a sandwich maker. I like building brands. So, so it doesn't really matter what it is and it's still under the same roof and it right. still can equally be scaled. Okay. With the right team. Okay. So that's kind of my short term. But yeah, we we want to do 20 plus units, like for sure. And then once we get to 20 plus units, then I'll be in a position where I can better tell you if we want to grow to like 150 or 200 or, or reevaluate. But 20 units would get us to the point, you know, where I want to be. And the thing is, is you wouldn't sell out after you have 20 plus units if they're all making great money. Right. You just wouldn't. Right. <laughs> You just share so more that's of the why profit answer, and go on vacation. Yeah, that, that's why my answer is not uh, build it to a certain level and right. sell out at ten million. Right. Because to me, you wouldn't sell for ten million if it's no. cash flowing every year. Yeah, no, you just give more percentage of that away and yeah, take your vacations. Yeah, and do lot, something else. Find lot, something else to do. A lot of people like build to sell, and that is not my mindset. No, uh, as a serial entrepreneur uh, moving forward. Uh, this is my this is my first venture, and I'm sure. It, well, I know it ain't going to be my last. Um, what other industries are you thinking? Parallel industries, or are you thinking of uh, branching out into something completely different? Well, uh, there's. Uh, I mean, we're we're bringing some ancillary items into what it is that we're doing, uh, and I think that's important when you get to a certain point and you get dreams of what it is. It's kind of like you sandwiches and wings. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for us, we've just been doing garage doors, residential, commercial, industrial. So we've been doing it all mm-hmm. um, across the spectrum, but we've gotten in order to achieve my goals, we've got to bring on different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, gates and gate operators is something that, you know, there's a market for here. Uh, we've always said, ah, there's not really a market for it. It's because we're not creating the market. Mm. You know, we're not making the market for it. Um, you know, getting into entry doors, entrance mm. systems. Um, and so we're going to see Alpha take on a whole new look here within the next uh, real quick. Like, So actually. it will just, uh, I, it's pretty easy. You just shed the overhead and Alpha. Doors. Right, right. <laughs> Which is so parallel that I feel like that is a brilliant move. If you were to go crazy and be like, I'm going to open a bar or something, you know? Yeah, not, not I, happening. Yeah, I've seen like people try to stretch into something that they don't know, and it's difficult. But that, I feel like that's going to work, man, like 100%. That's just a smart move. And then as far as uh, me personally, um, I like this. I like doing this. Yep. Um, you know, and I don't expect this to make money. You don't want to be the Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> nah, eventually? Nah. Oh, you know, if it happens, it happens, but that ain't my aspirations. Um, I'm doing this because I enjoy it. It's good um, for business. I like too. To, I like talking. Mm-hmm. And so uh it gets me out to people who don't normally listen to me, people in Denmark and Guam. Actually, there's another one from Guam that wow. uh, that has listened to the podcast. Wow. Uh so um it's kind of cool to to just uh, to do that. 
But, you know, my my passion and what I went to school for is to be a teacher. Mm. And so I'm not saying I'm going to go back to school and, and teach school or anything. Um, the education landscape is shifting, mind you, to a point where uh, courses are coming becoming more important than uh, right. traditional education. Right. It's bizarre. People are making so much money selling knowledge, like yep. non-accredited knowledge. Yep. And so, you know, um, uh, there could be, you know, some, uh, I, I don't know, coaching, uh, consulting, stuff like that yeah. uh, down the road. Um, I'm connected with some pretty pretty good people that I work really, really well with mm. um, that um, we've had some ideas and discussions and things like that. Um, so it's exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to, uh, to dream. Um, and I think that's an important part of, and we can talk about this for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think dreaming is a big part of what it, of what we do. Of the entrepreneurial lifestyle. I got a hot take on this. Sweet. All right. And I don't know if you've heard it yet, but I've been big on this recently. Uh, You can have all these dreams and ideas and stuff, and they keep coming, keep coming. But I've seen you now, right on this board, two years ago, write a number, and you're now doing it. So that's called uh, having dreams, aspirations, but executing on them. That's right. You were The most important part. Yeah, I saw it. And then we sat down and had coffee, and you hit it, man. I did. That's big. That's uh, that's real. It's important if you're going to have dreams and ideas and, and if they just keep coming and there are all these ideas and then you have a new idea and, and you just think for five years, I don't know about that. I like thinking, shifting through those ideas and then executing. If someone is out there in an inner circle that is just constantly dreaming, you know, but not executing it, you got to worry about it. Right. You have like... Chase your dreams, man. But you, you gotta chase the dreams. Right. Don't just have the dreams, but chase them. The the key the key to that is is action. Yeah. Um because without action, a dream is just a dream. And I tell my staff all the time, you guys, you guys and what you do, because you guys have, have bought in and come in and and tagged along with me. Mm. Not behind me, but with me. Because yep. we're you know, we're we're a team. I listened to a podcast yesterday twice. Uh, really good. One of my uh, w- one of my favorites that uh, that I listen to a lot for inspiration is uh, Reed Hoffman with Masters of Scale. Mm, um, I like and, that. I have to look into it. Do man, he's uh, uh, he was a co-founder of LinkedIn, mm. um, and so yeah, he does. I mean it, but. He's talking to everyone, like Zuckerberg, and he's talking to uh, the the one I was listening to last night was um, uh, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, and talking about culture and good culture, bad culture, but the culture you're looking for is the winning culture, and uh, that's when you have your whole team bought in, mm-hmm. you know, into that into that culture, and they can speak into it. And so he likened a good team or a, a, a good culture in a company to a team and not a family because you're not going to discipline your family. True. But a coach sure as heck disciplines a, a player when yep. they're not doing right. The, that's that's a whole nother subset. <laughs> it, it, it is bad. Like, it is. When do you discipline is uh, something that I struggle with from time to time because you don't want to shed everyone right away during slow periods where morale might be down. But, 
you have to hold people accountable. So when to do that and how to do that are two very important questions that I think we all ask ourselves from time to time. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Cause you can kill, you can kill the best of employees by doing it the wrong way. We're doing it too often, mm-hmm. not overlooking some of the small stuff, you know? Right. I don't know. But if you let it slide, then it can all slide downhill quickly. Yeah. With working in the sandwich shop, You've got to have, you know, your your supervisors. Mm-hmm. You got your drivers. Yep. Are they one and the same? No. 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 So are they separate from the guys making sandwiches? Yeah. So our, our store structure basically is we have two store managers that are ten percent profit share to their own respective stores, and then we have uh, two assistant managers below that, all four salaried people. Um, and below that, we have uh, kind of like a shift lead role where they're able to open or close on their own. Um, and then you might have another few people on the staff below that, right. drivers and uh, ordinary sandwich people. But by the time you're good at making sandwiches, you're typically going to be closing some. So you're kind of a higher hourly paid person. Right on. So, but my store managers are not like sitting on their butts strategizing. That's my job. Okay. So, so yeah, they're hands on, and you know, I made sandwiches. Me and my wife Danielle made sandwiches every single day all 2016. We closed together, cleaned everything together. I would make the sandwich, she would ring them up, and that's how we did four to eights, like me mm-hmm. and her. And it was waking up every morning at eight, grabbing the bread, bringing it, and then working from ten to eight Monday through Saturday, eleven to three on Sundays, and my only free time was now, three days. That was before kids. Right. Yeah, man. Ooh, that's a whole nother topic there. But yeah, we just had a, we have a coming on three months old and, and it's our second. Uh, my son is uh, almost two years, but yeah, it's, it's difficult water to navigate. I love having a stay at home wife. It, it makes a lot of sense for me, but for me walking that line of being a responsible business person and still acting the way that I've acted to get us here while being uh, time committed relatively to the family as well. You know, it's tough. And and sometimes my wife, luckily, she gives me freedom and understands that there's a bigger vision here and a bigger purpose. And that's why my time is is really taken up to a large part. Dad gets home at 8 o'clock, plays for two hours, and it's bedtime. Man, by 8 o'clock, I'm I'm ready for bed. I know (laughs) different industry for sure. I I would love that to be how things went for me, but it's just not how my schedule works out. uh, Cause we're open till eight. We open at 10. So normally it's eight to eight pretty consistently, but I'm normally waking up seven 30 earliest, not before that. You're an early riser. (laughs) Right. If my industry was like, if I could get it all done before the sunset, I would. Yeah. But, but you almost just have to adjust your life uh, to requirements and that shifts when you have a family, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and just make it work the best it can for you. But I think the stay at home dads of the world, although they're doing God's work, man, that's not an easy job. But I think you could be sacrificing a lot by doing so. Uh, I think me being free to go chase our financial goals is, is important. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, I tell my wife all the time I don't want her job. 
Yeah. That's a straight up. That's a job. I it's don't want. so hard, man. I, I don't think I'd be able to do it either, man. It, it is difficult just seeing, uh, you know, target trips with two little kids. It's like almost next to impossible. Right. I don't even want to join and be a 50-50 on that. I'm like, right. I can't do 50 even. It's yeah, hard. Man, we, we do Costco trip. We plan Costco trips for after you know, work. something that's been stuck in my head from you is when we went golfing, your little son was like tagging along. How old was he? Man, he was probably just just a little over two years old, maybe. Dude, I didn't realize how hard that was until now. I'm like, right. how did he do that? Right. Now I understand, though. I'm like, I don't even know how he did that. I'd like to be able to do that, but it, good, that was a tough grind, man. I don't know how he did it. And he was like minding his own manners and just yeah. doing his thing. Like, it was fun. It was impressive looking. At the time, I didn't really care to even think about it. It didn't mean anything to me right. other than cute little kid running around. But I didn't understand the dad grind where it's like, man, hats off. This is not easy. This is way tougher than you're making it look. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh it's fun. And now that he's now that he's five, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm excited about. We're we're getting him involved, uh, we're getting him enrolled in, in Little League this nice. year. Um Whew, good luck navigating yeah. that, man. You uh, a coach? No, I'm not going to coach this year. That's a time um, commitment. There's, I've got too, I've got too much stuff going on this year that I've got, I've got to focus on uh, business wise. Uh, but next year I will. Next year I want to coach. I want to coach Damn. my kids. So that's a time um, commitment, though. Looking back to like when my dad was coaching us growing up, and then I don't know, man. It's tough for me to get behind the sports route sometimes. And I grew up playing basketball and football, thought I was going to play in college, almost did at the D3 level in basketball. But it's kind of, there's an argument to be had that, yeah, it, it teaches you values and stuff. But also, I mean, if you put some of that same energy in the gym and do like business stuff at a young age, I don't know. Yeah. I guess you have to let them chase their passion. So you, you can't direct them in a certain way, but I don't think I'll necessarily push them one direction or another, I'm going to try to listen as, as well as I can and, and just support whatever they're, they're saying. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's the, and I mean, you can use that, you'd take that, you cross that over into business too, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and what it is that we've talked about in the past, uh, when Jonathan and I were talking about, um, employee first companies and what it is and how they, how they operate and how they bring their employees on board. Um, it was funny. My wife listened to that episode and she goes, I thought, man, I took so much away just for parenting, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of cool uh, to be able True. to cross back and forth. Let, letting them decide and, and supporting it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got guidelines. Uh, you, you take a child, you know, I've got guidelines. This is how I want you to act. This yeah. is how I want you, you know, to grow up learning. I want you, you've got this moral subset that I'm going to teach you as a parent. I'm going to teach you what I know best and yeah. I want you to learn. Yeah. And you take that into as a business owner or manager, the people that are under you, um, you're saying, okay, here's the job. Here's the process. Here's the way I'd like you to do it. And then you, you let them take ownership of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, we we're having a conversation uh Tuesdays are my <clears throat> excuse me are my are my team meeting days uh with all the different with all the different sections of of my company and um we even said that today you know like here's your lane one do you need anything from me mm -hmm. like can i help you 
Uh, Doing that on an ongoing basis is pretty important too because things change quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and we do it weekly. Uh, we we make sure, uh, Jonathan and I both make sure that we people get weird connotations when you say touch. Um, but we touch all of our employees. Yeah. We try to get all of them at least once a day. Whether it's just a, hey, how's it going? You know, or how many people do you have now? <laughs> so we got we got twenty. I I heard this we got podcast, we got twenty two employees right now, um, which is pretty cool considering a year ago now we were we were sitting at like fourteen. You know what's uh, something that people don't realize about when you're scaling up to take on more sales is what that does to the bottom line in the short oh, term. Yeah, I got to figure that out. Training for the second store, doubling our staff for two months. I mean, you just have to position yourself for those sales, though, because if you're not ready for them, you have 12 people and, and then you're doing all these things to pick up more business. You can't take it on. Well, and 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 there's another side to that when you do scale and you're scaling for for what it is that you planned out. Mm-hmm. What happens then when you don't have the sales that you were planning on what happens when christmas happens and everybody spends their money that happens to all of us (laughs) you know what happens and so you've got all of these you got all of these people uh that are in your employee and again you're not just employing them you're not just supporting them you're supporting who they support i typically suck it up and take the loss you know before i pass on any unless it was like a critical situation then maybe we've never been in something like that where I have to lay off. But yeah, I'd rather take a short term loss knowing it's going to get better, you know, in March and, and just move like that. Well, and, and one thing, cause I know it's coming. I know what we've got on the books. I know, uh, but we've taken, we've had a pretty, a pretty good slowdown. January was Us, still better than our, our January from too, last though. year. Jan Feb, we've slowed down yeah. for sure. That's just kind of how it is. And some of that reason people aren't eating sandwiches because people like you were less busy during this time too. Right. And you guys eat right. sandwiches. Right. Take that and spread it across all the service industries. Yep. And it's just one big economic slowdown until March. And yeah. And then it grows. Yeah. Right? And then once it hits, then they're going to be asking for time off like oh man you guys are overworking me but but until that point man i've promised my guys 32 hours a week if we don't have the work for it to happen you know i've 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 told them i will we're scheduling you for 32 hours you're gonna it could be sweeping the floors it could be polishing light fixtures it could be doing this it could be doing that um but it's it's definitely it's taking care of the people who help take care of you. Andrew Newman does the same thing really? too, where, yeah, he, cause he pays his people really well. And, uh, same story, you know, they're so busy during their busy times. So busy. It's, they don't have nearly enough people sometimes, but then when it slows down a little bit, you know, he, he does the same thing, you know, where he just, uh, he covers it, which I think that's the right thing to do. hundred percent. Yeah, man. It's, it's better than trying to lay people off. Way you know. better, way better. Then you lose them, and you're one month away from meeting them. Right, it's like, right. That doesn't make sense. Right. Now I got to train, and really, you're going to take a way bigger loss by right. doing it the other way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ethically, that's the move, uh, and just being a good citizen of your company, a uh, good neighbor to your employees, doing good by other people. Yeah, that's crucial. 
And and I think they see that. I I hope they do. I know yeah. a bunch of them listen to uh, this, so they'll they'll tell me if they you know they do or don't disagree. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'd rather be laid off. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, but I you know I I hope uh, and and I feel that that uh, they they get that vibe from from me and and from Jonathan and and really caring about and wanting to take care of them yeah. uh, as people and so. I've gotten that vibe from you since the beginning. Like you've always put off a good steward of your company and the people in it. So right on. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, it's true. Hundred percent. You got any uh, any quick things here before we wrap up that you've just been wanting to throw out there? Since I know we've been derailed by this stupid microphone, man. I tried a different setup. Normally, normally I've got it sitting over there on my desk, and I've got the microphone on the stool over here and, you know, trying, it's, it's really, for those of you that are listening, it's a very rudimentary setup in here. Um, so nothing wrong with rudimentary <laughs> though. I mean, that's how all this started for me is yeah. growing into things and, and starting rudimentary and figuring them out. That's yeah. really the name of the game is don't be scared to go into something you know nothing about. Um, go into it, learn it, make your adjustments and, and plan on growth. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I think I'll leave you with. That's, right on, that's man. powerful right there. Right on, the powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. Man, Tucker, thank you for coming in, dude. Yeah, um, man, thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy thanks to be here. For, yeah, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll do this again. Take uh, two at uh, at some point, but um, I'm anyway. not gonna hibernate before tops three either. I'm I'm staying out here for it. The whole time to get it, <laughs> get it, get it. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's definitely a fun process. Um, I can't think of anything more that I want to do than just growing and scaling, man. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's fun. Um, and, uh, you, you're always learning something. Mm-hmm. If you ain't learning something, then why do it? One last question that I have is during the slow periods. And I asked this to Matt, the painter earlier. It's interesting to hear how different industries handle them. Uh, what do you do to combat the slow periods to so, pick up sales when it is slow? So I, I'm I'm going to put the blame on myself. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to put the blame on myself here. I was focused so much on some diff on on systems, different things and and things that were going right and fixing because uh, I believe in order to change direction of a company. Um, especially an established company, uh, you got to change a culture and you do that by changing systems. Um, and then what you got to do is you got to work on profitability because changing systems and culture is extremely expensive. Um, then you gotta, then you got to work on your profitability and then you got to work on your cash flow. And so I feel like we've just finished up working on our systems, um, and into our profitability, 2019, we figured out our profitability and, and, you know, we're, we're riding on that wind. Uh, and then January hits and we're like, man, it's slow. Like what, what's going on? So I take the blame in focusing so much on, on a certain avenue of my business it's that, in, you're focusing internally, right? Right, and certain on um, because there's other people that are looking um, at, at at other aspects, but we didn't see what we didn't see is the slowdown. 
And it really hit after, you know, after the hailstorm, everybody was crazy busy. Well, the way we built our, the way we modeled our, our company is it worked really well for that because everybody was busy. Everybody was six, eight, 10, 12 weeks out. Well, because of the way we divided up our lines and had dedicated technicians to six different profit lines, we were we were same day. Day. We were same day. So uh, there's no bottleneck anymore, for, which is huge for revenue right, in the future. Right. And so and then with with installs, instead of being six, eight, ten, twelve weeks out, uh, which is some of the numbers that we were hearing around here, we were three to four. Wow. And that's just because we had to order it and get the materials in. So it was really cool to see that. And we fixed that and we're like, heck yeah, this is, a, you know, this is working, this is working, this is working. And then slow down. down. What and, do you do to combat the slow Okay. Down? So uh, the first part, the first part we did is I brought on Tuesdays, we brought all of our team members in, or not all of our team members, but, you know, commercial, our commercial team meeting our residential team meeting, and then our financial team meeting. And I sat everybody down, and uh, Jonathan and I gave them the directive of, okay, this is coming. This is, we are we are in the middle of a mini, we're going to call it a mini recession, <laughs> right? How do we insulate ourselves from a recession in the future? Because I'll tell you what, there's one coming, mm-hmm. and it's coming at the end of this year. You're saying election election years election years are always an economic in, in the especially in the building industry, mm. um, not so much in every other aspect, but the building I've heard, market. I've heard restaurateurs say that election years are down. The, it's it, and it is. We were still building in 2016, so we are growing, but right from nothing. Right, right. It's coming. You know, at the end of this year, and it can probably start as early as September. People start holding on to their money because they don't know what's going to happen. And so what I've, what I've tasked my team with is how do we insulate ourselves from a recession? How do we not let this slow down happen again? And so we're working through the process. Um, you know, this this slowdown is kind of... We're almost through it. I mean, with everything that we got on the books. So we've been building up and ramping up and, and our shop looks immaculate. You could probably eat off the floor the amount of times it's been swept and mopped and things like that. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, I failed to look at uh, from afar and didn't see it until it was right here. And then I'm like, man. Is it marketing though? Is the best route in your industry, or is it? It's really relationship driven. It's relationship and marketing driven. Yeah, marketing and branding. This um, is this is a good option. Like this is starting something you know right. that will be heard. Um, that's what I typically do. Is I just go try to be everywhere yep. at all times. So. So yeah, that's uh, that's uh, did that. In, man, I can't even remember what your question was now. It's just uh, <laughs> how. What's the best way to go and get sales when sales are slow? Uh, people. Yeah, we we actually spent a bunch of money to bring people in. Um, 
Salespeople? Salespeople. Gotcha. Um, Do they go knock on doors? Or? So um, Samantha is our residential sales gal uh, and she, uh, residential sales manager. Probably maintenance is probably a good move during this time. Then we brought Christine in for the commercial service sales. Uh, both of them are rock stars. You know, there's there's Christine's new. Both Sam and Christine were new to uh, the sales aspect of things uh, when they came in. But man, they're rock stars, and they they take on they take on a challenge real well. Um, and they are they're they're thinking about their team and how because both of them are responsible for for guys that are that are slow right now, and so they're feeling the pinch. What's and their sales sales process? So, uh, Sam is, uh, is mostly, uh, an, uh, an inside sales phone calls, phone calls, uh, uh current customers, current customers. She, any you know, cold call new customer stuff. Or? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Any, anything residential install. How do she find the new? It. How do we find the new? Yeah. Uh, People garage well, doors, the, really, right? The new is mainly builders. Ah, so you, uh, you network with builders. We network so with HBA builders. HBA is obviously your huge part of that. Yeah, we're That's with huge. we're with the HBA. We, I mean, we've got established uh, relationships with builders. Um, Calling for, them. What yep. are we building? Yep. What's happening yep. here? And so we've got them for new. Uh, then we've got uh, the retrofit market, um, or you know, the remove and haul. Um, and a lot of that really, this last year has been driven by the hailstorm. Mm. Um, you know, between them and and roofing siding contractors, just break the phone calls, in, uh, insurance companies, referrals, yeah. uh, things like that. So she's she's mostly inside sales. She does do some outside. Um, whereas Christine, she's doing uh, she's doing upwards of sixty cold call face to face. Wow. Sales a week. How's she setting those up? She walks in the door. Businesses or yep, Dang. businesses, uh, wow. places with commercial, you know, commercial Garage overhead doors. doors. Is a lot of those converting into maintenance or some new? So yes, both of them. Uh, so we are we're getting the service work out of it, and then the retrofit side of the commercial industry is tied re- like. It's tied so closely with the service industry because you develop that relationship with your customer and you're there and they know you're there and you're going to take care of them and, you know, all this stuff that you're going to get the sale of that door when they need a new door. So that's key. Yeah. Just forging those uh, relationships early and yep. then, uh, lifetime value of a yep. customer, right? Yeah, man. And so, yeah, it's fun. Do you uh, go after any of these like, uh, the only one I can think of right now is like a master lube, which has a ton of locations. If you get a foot in the door with one location, typically you get all. Of them. Yeah, typically uh, when you're doing work with one of them, because they're mainly owned by the same owner. You just have to find the right person, right? right. Which is probably tough because yeah. they probably hide. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, do. <laughs> they do. I do too. I do. <laughs> yeah. I do. When people walk in my door, I'm not here. Yeah, I'm same not here, here, dude. Hundred percent. So. But yeah, man, that's kind of that's, that's kind of the cool. process. I and think that's a good information though to pe- for business people to know. You know how others are combating slow periods, and uh, yeah, just best practices towards that because everyone hits the slow periods, and some people you know duck and wait. And some people go on the offense. Yeah, I don't want to ever have to duck and wait anymore. Yeah, um, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't particularly like it right no, now. No one likes ducking and waiting. <laughs> so, ducking and waiting um, is like anxiety ridden. And yeah, it's, just it's not my style. You and know, so, it's like, it's going to be good soon, but yeah. it's like, just take some time. I want to put the pedal to the metal and make it happen. I think if you're doing pedal to the metal hardcore during slow times, you may not have the instant gratification when you think it should hit, but I think it'll make the busy times twice as busy. Yeah. Yeah, so, it will. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the guys will be like, oh, come on, give me some time off. Do you think that you'll have uh, 40 employees by this time next year? So that'd be double in size so double the revenue for sure at that point. Or Man, between my plans for growth and scaling and uh, what I want to do with the different lines we're bringing on a different location. It's the first time I've kind of thrown that out there. I'm yep. not necessarily saying where yet. I know about it a little um, bit. But, you know, with all of that happening, I could see us at 40 people next year for Dang. sure at this time. Every new market, at least 20 probably. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing new markets, not saying you are, not saying you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, it's fun. It's been a fun process. And what I, you know, with, with, I mean, I've already said with the new location, but I think with all of this planning, having to having to create a plan because it's not necessarily within. It's obviously not within the same city. So, and in Montana is not small. Mm. So Tra- you know, it's a, it's a travel and, and so it'd be all this nice stuff. to blow up in a more populate populated area because you can branch out to different cities a yep. lot easier. Yep. Do you think uh, in a new market you would start, how many employees would you start with? So and how many employees could you be profitable with? Well, uh, so we're running a whole bunch of different um, projections, scenarios basically. and yep. projections on. I did a lot of that. What, you know, on what it is that, uh, um, that we can do, what a market can support. Um, and then what different markets, I mean, I plan on, on being a, a major player in the you Intermountain all, you Northwest. You also have to be ready in new markets, though, to be on a plane or on the road seven days a week kind of right. thing, which is the other dark side of uh, growth. I mean, it may not be that way, but it also could be that way because if times get tough, you don't let it fold. You, you just have to pay the price yeah. until it grows. Yeah. As long as my wife can come and the kids, I think she'll be all right. Yeah, no, 100%. But, yeah, I've been talking to a lot of people that are kind of scaling to different cities, and, and it's a grind. It, it, man, it's a true, real grind. That's that's going to be an upcoming podcast here soon is how uh, the grind yeah, and what it means and how, you know, what it looks like, how it feels. Um, because there's definitely, I mean, there's so much information in the grind. I feel like half the time though, um, me definitely speaking for myself, but the grind is so much in my head. It's entirely in my head, but we care so much that we overanalyze it. And that's part of the grind. It's that mental process. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, but yeah, so that'll be, that'll be one that, uh, that we'll do that I'll, that I'll put out here. Uh, I don't know, in the next couple of weeks or Who's something. Who's gonna be like on that. that one? I don't I don't know yet. It'd be cool to find someone who has like uh like three or four different markets, like three or four different states would be really cool and interesting to me. Like not a large but like a medium 
size, you know, right. 50 to 100 employees, not right, over 100. Right, right. That would be interesting. All right. Well, this is coming out tomorrow. Nice. So today's Tuesday, the 11th. So this is going to come out tomorrow, the 12th. So uh, if any of you out there are listening uh, and you kind of fit those characteristics, I'd definitely be interested in talking to you guys you do a about phone, the grind. Can you do a phone-in interview I can. from Guam? <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure I or can. Denmark? I'm sure I can. I know there's wealthy people in Denmark. <laughs> chances are better there. Right. They can right. be good there. Bangers. Right. Yeah. Um, so awesome, man. Well, Tucker again, thanks dude for coming on. Thanks for having um, me. Man. It was a, it was definitely a pleasure. I always, I always love talking shop, talking business with you. It's fun. Man. Um, so, and then guys, thanks again for listening. I'll level up small business conversations until next time. Yeah. <laughs>